five, four, three, two, one. It's time for a little Canadian content. too damn slow! Oh yes, it is only once a week. But frankly, it is so good, that's all you need. You don't need any more, just that much Revelstoke Gym and that can be even too much for some people. So I'm telling you right now, don't feel sad, don't feel upset. Just revel in the fact that you get me on Wednesday nights. I'm Revelstoke Jim. This is Canadian content. Excuse me all to hell. Uh, that's not a good way to start the show. Uh, hi, everybody. I am Revelstoke Jim, and this is Revelstoke Jim's Canadian content heard on Gabnet.net, a tune-in partner. Uh, it is Wednesday. It is a September Wednesday. I know that much. Hang on. Let me look at the calendar. You know, I don't look at the calendar as much as I used to, because frankly, the days go by far too quickly for this dude. And I'm just saying... You can get lost by looking at the calendar. So I just, I like to do it once during the day. And then if I forget what day it is later on, well, that just happens. That's, that's, that's nothing you can do about it. Anyway, I'm telling you right now, it is the 16th of September. Oh my God, we're past the midway point. That's right. It's more than halfway through September already. Where did that go? But anyway, we should uh, let you know that it is dark as the inside of a cow outside right now. Night has fallen upon the mountain hamlet of Revelstoke, British Columbia, the home of Revelstoke Jim and his Canadian content. Heard every Wednesday evening and, yeah, sometimes on a Friday here on Gabnet, our signal comes from you from the top of the mountain down the dirt road across the river and straight on to the information superhighway directly connecting your computer and mobile device to my voice. I am in the spacious log broadcasting center located at the corner of First and Main. We are in Studio 1B, the one with the big window. If it wasn't a big window, I couldn't do this. That's a big window. Just smacked on it. And the furnace is working. That's a sad state of affairs. When the furnace starts working, you know that uh, you got to start looking for the long pants and the long sleeve t-shirts. But uh, I, I, I don't want to get some of you depressed. And some of you will have no idea what I'm talking about because, frankly, the weather does not affect you. Uh... If you didn't already know, because this is our truly only scheduled program of the week tonight, we bring you another of our strange stories, 
from the heartland of Canada that we call the Moose Poop Stories. And I'll be starting that shortly. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you. At Rev Jim Can Con is my, uh, man, I just, my earbuds are giving me grief. At uh, Rev Jim Can Con on Twitter. You can find me there and send me a message while the show was on the air. You can also find me on Tumblr, Instagram, Snapchat, Parasnap, Snapascope, Ello. All those good ones out there. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, just like these good people have sent me a message saying they wish their voices heard in the safety and comfort of the Canadian bosom. The first one comes in from the Groovy Cat who says, Yay, it's time for Revelstoke Jim's Canadian content at Rev Jim CanCon right now on Gabnet.net. Hashtag Rev Jim, hashtag Moose Poop. Wonderful to hear from the kitty tonight. He also says, Good evening, Jim. Tell us a story, please. Uh, all right, I'll do my best. Available in ADHD says, open the fucking Skype lines. I am ready for you. Well, I'm not opening the Skype lines because you didn't bring me wine. You bring me wine. I open the Skype lines. That's how it works. You don't want to. Hey, you, I got backup. You do not want to argue with Revelstoke Jim's logic or anybody else's logic. Argue with my logic. I dare you. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, and we got a note from at Tessic1138 who says, I had a great poop earlier and looking forward to listening to a great moose poop. Well, there you go. I don't know where you're going to listen to a great moose poop. Uh, might have to be somewhere other than here. And uh, I did get a message from the cat who says uh, he hopes Woody is in this moose poop story. I have a feeling he might be. He just might be. Uh, anyway, what's been happening in Revelstoke? Well, I'll tell you what's not been happening. Uh, we have not been bombarded, even though we have, uh, I think, we have about 30 days, less than 30 days before our great Canadian federal election. Uh, I can see the... Uh, uh, this is going to be an interesting night already because I can tell you right now I saw... My signal go off the air a second ago, and I seem to be connected again. I'm not sure if it's going to uh, maintain its entire connection, but we'll we'll see what happens. 
Maybe I'll maybe I'll do something different. Maybe I'll take some Skype calls first, and then I'll do the moose poop. You know, it doesn't hurt to uh, uh, move things around. Change the uh, the running order of things. I do know that uh, nothing is set in stone. Let me just uh, take care of a few things here. Okay, we're still connected. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Jim Riley says, good evening, Jim. I need a story to calm me after the GOP debate. Hashtag batshit crazy. Uh, yeah, well, you know, as I was, I was saying before I noticed I was off the air, it's not, uh, it's not like that up here right now. Listen, we got three, we got three guys, one gal, they're all running for the same job, but they can't get the job unless you elect the people that work with them, which is really interesting. It would be like... Donald Trump could not get elected to be president unless you elected a whole bunch of other guys and gals that thought just like Donald Trump. And you know what? From what I've seen, there is not a lot of people that think just like Donald Trump. They may have similar feelings about things, but when it comes right down to it, there is nobody who seems to think the way the orange troll thinks. It's just, uh, did you see the debate tonight? I'm not going to talk about it, but I, one day in my life, while I'm still living, uh, it would be cool if my, my skin color and my hair color were exactly the damn same. Wouldn't that be something? I have a feeling, though, uh, the way I've been feeling health-wise, the two colors, my face is going to be gray as well as my hair. That's the only way it's going to connect for me. So uh, that's about it. Uh, what's been happening in Revelstoke? The uh, the Starbucks continues to be under construction. I'm not sure I'm ha how I'm feeling about the Starbucks. I know a lot of people love their Starbucks. I occasionally visit one when I'm out of town, but I have a deep, heartfelt connection to the fine people at La Baguette. That's where I go for my coffee. Uh, they were closed today because they had a staff party. Those crazy French Canadians, when they get hooked up with the Australians, uh, they have to close down for a whole day for a staff party. No, actually, it's because, well, the bakery staff, who are a vital cog in the wheel of things, because they show up at work for at like 3 o'clock in the morning, They have to be given the day off so they can actually show up for the night party. So that's what happened. So I didn't have my coffee today when I walked into town. And I'm slightly, uh, I'm just, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I'm in my groove, but I'm out of my groove. Uh, tomorrow I have the dentist. Isn't this fun? Yes, I have. This is the way the rest of my work week uh, fits me. I have the dentist tomorrow, so tomorrow's a loss. I'm sorry. Between freezing and drugs and dentistry, I'm I, I I I'm not even showing up at the log broadcasting center for anything. 
and then Friday, I have another doctor's appointment to take care of some things. But then the really important doctor that I get to see on uh, on fr- on Saturday shows up, and that is Doctor Who. So there we go. And I can see there are some issues once again. talk to you a few minutes about uh, uh, aluminum siding. Aluminum siding. I don't want my house re- with aluminum siding. I've already got siding on my house. Yeah, but aluminum, you never have to do anything to it. It's just, it stays uh, absolutely perfect. We we got a uh, uh, we got a large excess inventory in pink. Oh, I think the, the rest of the community would run me out of town for that. Oh, uh, that's okay. Well, that's nice to know. Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to make sure uh, to find out is, do you have any Prince Albert in a can? Prince Albert in a can. Is that some kind of tobacco? <laughs> yes, it is. 
no, I don't smoke tobacco. Oh. I don't chew it. Well, you're kind of boring. I know, but you know what? If you could come up with, with some red aluminum siding, I might be interested. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do that. Well, can you paint it? Oh, no. <laughs> I just fixed your house. I'm not going to paint it. Oh, okay. So. Still standing. Have I fooled you? Did you know that this is your son, Revelstoke Jim? You sounded familiar. Okay. I just wanted to... Uh, I wanted to find out if uh, uh, if I could fool you. Um, uh, is your refrigerator running? <laughs> no, it's standing still in the kitchen. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, well, so uh, what's happening in in uh, in the big place you live? What's happening? Yeah, what's new? Uh, what is new? Um, I don't. How much snow you got? Not yet. I'm getting my snow tires put on the next Thursday. Oh, okay. Yes. On that old beater of a car you have. Yes. Yeah. Do you know that it has a, a sensor in the tire that tells you when the tire is low? Yes, I did. Well, I'm not paying $60 a tire for the winter tires. No, but... I'm just getting winter tires and rims. <laughs> and, and yeah. I want to know if my tire is low. I'm going to go outside and look at it. Yes. But did you also know... Well, you already know that your tires right now have nitrogen in them. I know they have nitrogen in them. Does that mean that they're going to um, blow up? Yes, yeah. Just like the Hindenburg. Yeah, that. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. Okay. No. And I don't think that's a good thing to have in your tires anyways. And No, I... it is, it's it's good. It's it's it, it's good for the tires. Is it? Yeah. Oh. But you have to get new tires for the winter. For the winter, yep. So I got an appointment to have them installed next next Thursday. Okay, well that's good. Well, I just uh, I just wanted to uh, uh, to let you know I was uh, uh, still alive. Yeah. And my birthday's coming up. I know your birthday's coming up, but Teresa's is coming up first. The lovely wife gets to have her birthday first. <laughs> Why she doesn't celebrate them anymore? Oh yeah, she's waiting for the big one. She's going to turn 30. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I know all these things. I, uh, I, uh, uh, let me just say, I'm having terrible internet connections tonight. Really? Yeah. I, I don't even know. Uh, I'm actually doing the show and it just keeps stopping. And so, uh, I'm kind of hesitating on starting the moose poop story. Well, you got new moose poop story tonight, right? Yeah. Well, it's always fresh on Wednesday. They deliver it. Oh, I see. Okay. They leave it out back in a big pile. So what do they do in the winter then? Oh, they still bring it out to the back. We have a, uh, there's a moose poop flap. It comes right down into the basement. You know, like a coal thing. Like a coal chute. We yeah. used to have one of those. In... We have a moose poop chute. In the old days. Yeah. Turned it into a moose poop chute. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say hi and uh, tell you I'm trying to make a few extra dollars selling aluminum siding. So if you find anybody who wants to do some aluminum siding to their house, uh, uh, tell them to give me a call. I will. What about if they have an outhouse? Um, do you have small aluminum siding pieces? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'll let them know. I will let them know. You probably, you have probably seen some of, some of our uh, uh, customized outhouses at the bottom of your hill. Oh, that's, is that what those are? Yeah, that's one of ours. 
Yeah, but they, you know what? They look better than with the aluminum siding. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, thanks for taking my call. I know you saw the call display, and you probably thought long and hard about whether you're going to answer or not. Well, for a second, but then I thought, you know, what the heck? What the heck? Yeah. That's right. All right. Uh, uh, thank you, unknown caller, for partaking in the show tonight. Good luck with your business. Uh, thank you very much. I will try. Okay. Okay. Good night. Night. Oh, there we go. There we had a uh, we had a caller. Well, we called somebody because the internet is being very weird tonight. Isn't that strange? I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that I don't have fiber optic. Uh, this is very strange. I don't even know if I'm going to get a moose poop uh, to do what it should be doing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play one more song and we'll see if I stay connected. And if it is connected at the end of the song, well, guess what? We will. We'll make it. We'll get it done somehow. I'm, I'm not one to give up. I don't quit. I'm in it to win it. That's the... Uh, that's just the way I've decided to live my life and do my broadcasts. And if that's, uh, um, if that works, well, then that works. If it doesn't work, well, sometimes things just don't work. I'm Rebel Stoke Jim. Uh, when we come back, we'll try to, uh, We'll try to get all moose pooped up. Because remember, and don't ever forget. Hey, this is a fucking podcast.
Stoke Gym. I, uh, I've been monitoring the internet while uh, we've been listening to Glenn Miller, and I really think it might just hold together to get us back to Safe Harbor. So what we're going to do is continue on with the program because, well, that's what we do. In Canada, we don't quit. And that's spelt with a K, damn it. K-W-I-T. And that's not what we do. So get yourself comfy. Put your feet up. Put your head on your pillow. Take a great big puff or a big damn slurp and prepare yourself for a bit of moose poop. On a Wednesday evening with the worst internet in the world. It wouldn't be my program if the internet was reliable. I'm telling you right now. The day I get good internet, I'm going to have to wrap this puppy up.
as we move through life, there are things we see that cause us to make wishes, throw a penny in a fountain, close your eyes at the sight of the first star of the night. But wishes that come true can be problematic just as easily as they can become a blessing. And my friend Woody was known to make a wish or two in his life. Because way up in the mountains, just outside the little town that Woody would visit for his groceries, his mail, and the stale donuts that fed his longtime friend and companion, the large black bucket-headed Labrador known as the Glaze Duke. There was a tree, and that tree was known throughout all the community as the Wishing Tree. It stood there on the edge of the forest, tall and mighty, seen by all from the town. It was a giant cedar, had to be at least 150 years old. And for years, not everyone was sure how many years, but for many years people had visited the tree and used it as a repository for their wishes, a place where they could come and speak what was on their mind and in their hearts and offer up their good thoughts to the giant cedar that reached up to the sky higher and higher than any tree around it. And there was a, there was a thought from the elders of the town that all this goodwill had somehow made the tree grow stronger and larger. And everybody who came to make a wish would leave something at the tree as their part of the bargain. And for years, there was always a pile of various and sundry articles of clothing, household items, anything you could think of, bunched up at the base of the giant cedar. And when finally nothing could be piled higher, people would bring items and with great effort throw the items into the branches of the tree, filling it with all sorts of paraphernalia. At first sight, the wishing tree looked more like a coat rack with junk piled all around it. For over the years, the branches had began to droop and the tree had begun to shift slightly from winter to spring. 
but it was a beacon of the town, and every time that Woody and the glazed duke would walk from the little cabin on the gravel road just down from the historic cemetery and make their way the five miles into town, they could see the tree from a great distance, and it gave them peace of mind and comfort. Because as I'd stated, Woody, at times in his life, had indeed taken it upon himself to leave a wish or two at the tree. He never shared his thoughts with me. He never told me what he wished for, or if indeed the wishes had come true in any way, shape, or form. But Woody loved the wishing tree, so I can only assume that somehow, some way, his wishes had been answered. He may have shared them with the large black dog who was constantly walking beside him. But again, the Duke gave up no secrets. He held his cards close to his large barrel chest, and he shared none of the thoughts or conversations that he and Woody participated in. One day in the early spring, the elders of the town had called a meeting together at one of the local restaurants. It seems that there was indeed something to be worried about. The cycle of thaw and freeze that occurs during the fall, winter, spring, and summer always affects the landscape. Frost heaves are quite common in the far north. Asphalt cracks. Houses shift on their foundations and trees become uprooted. And the town elders had noticed one day while sitting on the back porch of the gas and go playing cards and eating pickles. They looked out to the west of town and almost as in unison they noticed that the wishing tree was leaning a certain direction. While there was no greater emergency ever discussed in the little town than saving the ancient giant well-loved wishing tree. But no one was sure exactly what to do. The tree was too tall for a ladder. People couldn't climb it. 
It was so festooned with articles that people had left on its branches and attached to its massive trunk. There seemed no logical way to save the giant tree. And the last thing they wanted to do was remove all the articles that people had left at the tree as an offering that their wish be granted. Old Johnny Murdoch had left a number of bedpans over the years attached to the great tree in hopes that he would have good health. The little McKinney boy had purposely flown his kite into the great branches of the tree in hopes that his wish to be a pilot one day would be granted. Over and over, the residents of the town each had a story of their own attachment to the wishing tree. And throughout the world, the people who had wandered to the little town, either purposefully or accidentally, had made a connection with that tree. There was only one thing they could think of doing. It was not something that anyone really wanted to take responsibility for. Maybe they would have to cut down the great gigantic cedar and display it in a cradle in a horizontal position. But that would be like putting your best friend down. Or ruining the end of a story. No one wanted to take that step. So for a number of months, as the tree continued to sway back and forth, people wondered just what they could do. They thought about contacting professionals who could somehow stabilize the tree, but there was no money to pay for such great efforts. It seems that the only logical course of action was to cut the giant cedar and keep it in the community somehow, some way. Well, that night, lying on his metal bed in the little cabin on the gravel road just down from the historic cemetery, 
Woody was staring at the ceiling while blowing smoke rings. The glazed duke was curled up on his bed next to the wood stove, scratching at his ear, not so much out of itch, but just out of habit. They were surrounded by the quiet of the night. They could hear the frogs out in the ditch that ran along the road. And then, out of the silence, there came a great noise. Woody leapt off the bed with a shout of, Yahoo! I've got it! And he grabbed a lantern, lit it, went out the front door, and made his way to the old barn at the south end of the property. And as he made his way into the barn, there was a clatter of noise as he searched through the piles of junk and debris that he had collected over the years. And after about a half hour of looking, he came out of the barn with a big smile on his face, the glazed duke looking at him as if to say, What's up? And Woody stepped forward and placed his hand on top of the giant Labrador's head, and he said, We can save the tree, boy. So the next day, Woody and the Duke made their way into town to talk to the town elders. Woody approached them all as they sat there, playing cards and eating pickles, and he said, I can save the tree. But his voice was so quiet, no one responded. Woody was not used to public speaking to groups of more than two at a time, if that. So he coughed slightly <coughs> and repeated, I can save the tree. While the gas and go got very quiet and all the eyes looked at Woody. And somebody spoke up. You can save the tree? Woody said, I think I can save it. And then all of a sudden, all the other people sitting at the gas and go said, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? How much is this going to cost? And Woody said, it's not going to cost anything. It's a debt I have to pay. Well, how are you going to do it, they said. And Woody said, all I'm going to tell you is that I'm going to do it, or at least give it my best try. Before you think of cutting it down, give me one chance. I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to do it. I'm not going to tell you how. But if it doesn't work, what have you got to lose? And so the elders all got together and 
gathered gathered around the the old stove, and I said, "Well, what do you think we're going to do?" Well, let's let's. We have no other choice. So they turned to Woody and they said, "Woody, it's up to you. Save the wishing tree if you can." And on that note. Woody tipped his hat, spun on his heels, and walked back to the little shack on the gravel road. With the glazed duke at his side. And on the way back to the little cabin, Woody laid out his entire plan to the glazed duke. Told him in great detail what was going to happen, how they were going to attempt it, and what the odds are that it would work. The large black dog just remained silent the entire walk back to the little cabin. Occasionally he would look up at Woody as if to question something he was hearing. But then he just continued walking, focusing on the road ahead. It was the most quiet the two of them had ever been. For they had a mission that they were going to share. And if it succeeded, well, they just couldn't contemplate it not succeeding. So one day passed, two days passed, three days passed, and people had just noticed the wishing tree still leaning in a very awkward position. Nobody was quite sure when Woody was going to attempt whatever he was going to attempt, but nobody wanted to ask him lest he change his mind at even attempting. And that night in the little cabin, Woody had gathered together from the barn out on the back of the property a pile of items that to him made perfect sense. There was a wheel of metal cable, 200 feet in length. It had been left over from a mining operation that Woody had cleaned up. The owners had paid him $50 a day, plus any of the salvage that he wanted to take. Well, to Woody, the salvage was worth more than the money. And he had filled the barn with all sorts of items from that mining site. One of them, the large spool of cable. Next to the spool of cable was a piece of metal, flat, two feet by two feet square, 
half an inch thick, solid steel. Also there, a tripod left behind by some surveyors. And on top of the pile was an old double-barreled shotgun that Woody had inherited from one of the old-timers who lived far higher in the tree line than Woody. The old-timer had passed away years ago and left a note in his little cabin that when his remains were found, please disperse my meager belongings to the people listed below. Woody was one of the people listed below, and the old shotgun had sat rusting in the barn from that day on. Woody and the Duke gathered up all the items, placed them in the wheelbarrow, and before dawn started walking into town. They saw no one, no one saw them. And they got to the clearing where the giant cedar tree sat leaning slightly to one direction. Woody walked up to the base of the giant tree and looked up, placed his back to the bark, and counted off a hundred paces. He marked an X in the dirt with his boot, and then he went and grabbed the piece of sheet metal and placed it right on top of the X. He then grabbed the old surveyor's tripod and put it just off of the metal plate. He rolled the spool of cable next to the metal plate and proceeded to unwind 200 feet. He then took the old shotgun, loading both barrels with deer slugs, large chunks of metal inside the shotgun shell rather than the little BBs that it normally held. One in each barrel, he closed up the breech, placed the gun against the tripod, pulled his knife out of his pocket, walked to the edge of the clearing, and cut two saplings from the small trees that surrounded the giant wishing tree. He stripped off the branches, cut them to about three feet in length, and then shoved each sapling 
into the barrel of the shotgun, first the left, then the right. Then turning the shotgun upside down, he pounded the saplings until they were stuck firmly in the barrel. He then placed the shotgun against one of the legs of the tripod. The butt of the rifle facing upwards, the barrels facing downwards. And he crimped the end of the wire around the stock of the old shotgun. He looked up at the tree and adjusted the angle of the tripod as best he could, and then taking the last item out of the wheelbarrow, he unrolled a long spool of twine and rolled it out to the edge of the clearing and then attached the loose end to the two triggers of the double-barreled shotgun. He surveyed all his work, looked up at the tree, crossed himself for no particular reason, and then made his way to the high grass to be clear of any accident that may occur. He looked down at the glazed duke and said, this is it. And with a great tug on the twine, the line stretched, pulled back both triggers of the shotgun, which fired the deer slugs in the chamber, which immediately interacted with the saplings shoved in the barrel. And like a rocket, the shotgun leapt from the surface of the earth, arcing high up into the air and engaging itself in the high branches of the giant cedar wishing tree. The force was so great, the barrels had split open and curled back as if in a cartoon. And when they interacted with the high branches of the tree, it was almost as if a grappling iron had been thrown into the branches itself. Woody quickly ran back to his launching platform, grabbed the loose end of the metal cable, and snugged it tight. He attached it to a large metal rod that he had pounded into the ground, and with a hand-operated winch, he ratcheted back and forth until the line was tight. So tight 
you could flick it with your finger and it would sing a high-pitched twang. And as he tightened and tightened the wire, the giant wishing tree returned to its upright position. Woody looked around as best he could for anyone who may have seen what he had done. And realizing that they had concluded Their attempt in complete secrecy, the Duke and Woody carried the old wheelbarrow back up to the little cabin on the gravel road. While later that day, everybody couldn't help but notice that the giant cedar wishing tree was now perfectly upright and stable. So happy to have their iconic symbol back among them, Townspeople made their way to the wishing tree with their own offerings. All asking their own silent wishes. But for Woody and the Duke, the job was done. And that night they lay in their respective beds in the little cabin on the gravel road. The glazed duke scratching his ear once again and Woody lying on the bed blowing smoke rings up towards the rafters. Knowing that attached to the shotgun there was a little tag A tag that no one will ever see, but Woody will know it's there. A tag that he had written the simple words, My wish is that I wish this works. That's your moose poop for the 16th of September, 2015.
Revelstoke Jim will take your Skype calls in just a moment. Oh, no, he won't. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to take Skype calls because uh, uh, I'm just having troubles here tonight, folks. Uh, some of you probably missed half that story. You're going to have to catch it uh, on the uh, on the Gabnet replay or uh, on... You can hear the whole show on the Gabnet replay. Uh, I'll post the the moose poop over there on SoundCloud too. Uh, sorry, it's just it's a pain in the butt. What can you do? Uh, it's really annoying. It's already gone off again. I keep talking, even though I know I'm disconnected at times. So there's nothing much I can do about it. Yeah, I want to thank Jim Riley for uh, trying to listen tonight. Uh, Diana, Johnny White Trash, Groovy Cat, thank you uh, for being out there. Of course, uh, Patrick Blazik, Miranda Jimnell, wherever she may be. Uh, that's just the way things, that's just the way the moose poop tumbles sometimes. Can't do much about it. Maybe we'll get good internet one day. But don't ever forget, uh, keep in mind. Hey, this is a fucking podcast. That's right. And uh, and and don't you forget it. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to get ready to say goodnight here. Uh, thank you all. We'll try to do this again next week. Maybe things will be better. I don't know. Uh, we can always hope, can't we? Ah, uh, there we go. I recognize that music. That means it's time to get out of here. I have been Revelstoke Jim. Uh, that has been a less than stellar Revelstoke Jim's Canadian content. Uh, I, I can't, I don't even know what to say about the moose poop. I don't know if it worked or not. Anyway, uh, find it wherever you listen to it. And come on back to Gabnet tomorrow for Damian Chaplin and Alex Bennett and Miranda. No, not Miranda. It's the best of getting geeky tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, what else can I do? I'm only one man. Uh, anyway, please take care of yourselves, and uh, we'll see you a little further on down the road next time. Bye-bye. awful quiet. I'm not sure if it's working or not. I don't even know if the show's over yet. It may be over. It may not be over. Hmm. This is all so mysterious.
I'm still talking. I'm still connected. Possibly, possibly we might just have a podcast. I'm not sure. Hang on. I got this. I got this. I've been just drinking this water all day. <laughs> oh, there we go. That sounds, oh, that feels so much better. Uh, boy. I feel bad. Oh, yeah. Now I feel really good. Okay. Let's, uh, that may have cleared up the internet. Oh, no. It says connection timed out. We'll try. Uh, I don't care. I'm going to talk to somebody. I'll talk to this guy. Hey, what do you want? Are you there? <laughs> I don't even know if I'm connected. Oh, hang on. Uh, are you there? Are you there? I am here. I'm, are you there? I'm here. Oh, my God. I just noticed something. Very I am nice. here. Are you there? I'm here. Are you there? <laughs> yeah. This isn't working. No, I'm I'm here because I'm not all there. <laughs> uh, are you there now? I can see you. Hang on. I am still here. Hang on. Let me do this. Hang on. Let me uh, uh let me try something here. Hello, caller. Where are you from? What is your name? I am from the block, and my name is Jenny. <laughs> Jenny drove me home. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, uh, that's cool. She gave me wine. <laughs> no, you stay here, and you, you podcast with them. What am I going to do? I'm going to go drink more wine. Oh, that sounds like fun. Can I join you? Oh, my God. What the fuck is wrong with you? Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> what are you What are you moaning about now? All, all I heard was, I'm going to drink more wine. What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, okay. No, honey. Honey, you turned down the blowjob. You're SOL. <laughs> I've been married long enough to know the difference between a real blowjob offer. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, I'm, uh, I don't know for how long. Somebody just said, is this a stinger? I don't know if it's a stinger. The, the show what the fuck is a stinger? I don't know. It's a drink. No, I'm drinking Strongbow. Oh. Are you knee deep in cider? <laughs> I I already I already broke one podcast host. Oh, you can't break this podcast host. I, I'm sorry. I've been around too long. I know, but <laughs> the thing is is you might have a couple drinks, you'll get a glow and you'll stop. The person I was podcasting with tonight was two hours of just straight 8% liquor getting hammered. And who can, oh, uh, uh, was this person in another country? 
Uh, yes. Was this person uh, um, of a different nationality than the country that he was in? I don't hear you anymore if you're oh, still talking. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, I'm having issues. Uh, <laughs> this is great. I, I'm going to ask questions that nobody can answer. Uh, let's just see. Oh, it just went away again. Damn it. I've lost my internet. Uh, this is not working. This is just not working. Okay, guess what, the stinger? I'll try this one more time. I'm going to try this one more time. Hello? Yeah, it's not working. I'm going to hang up on Skype. Skype is not agreeing with us tonight. Uh, the internet is broken. Revelstoke Jim is uh, going to say uh, uh, that's it. Hey, guess what? That's the end of the show, Will, this time. So, uh, yeah, guess what? Revelstoke Jim has left the building. I'm leaving. And let me tell you, it's just, it's, oh, I got nothing left to say. It's the end of the show. I'm done. We'll see you later. Have a great, have a great week till I talk to you next. And again, thanks everybody. And remember, uh, take care of yourselves and we'll see you a little further on down the road next time again. speaker and your car. We'll be grateful, and so will the patrons who follow you.